Hello, Brew. Hello, Nick. How are you today? I'm very well. How are you doing? I'm all right. I am tired as ever, but, uh, you know, can't complain. Good, good. Episode 15, Beardy Dads. Hello, everybody. I'm Rue Reynolds, father of a 16-week-old baby now uh, called Oliver. And I'm father of a three-and-a-half-year-old Toby and a a girl called Lauren who... How old's Lauren now? I completely lose track. You're a bad it's, father. She is 12 weeks old this coming Monday. There oh, we go. There you go. That's good. Easter Monday, 12 weeks old. I've got actually got a very handy way from him, because Oliver was born on New Year's Eve. So he's just following the year. That's, And I should remember, because whenever you introduce Oliver and say how many weeks old he is, I should just <laughs> instinctively remember, just have to take four weeks off. We can do it algorithmically. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And Oliver's always one week older than this podcast. So we, today is episode 15. He is there for 16 weeks. I don't even need to think about it. That That's clever. That, that's that's what I need to do to <laughs> to try and come across as a good dad who knows instinctively exactly how many weeks old his daughter is. Baby dads! So you've had a, a fun week this week because it's uh, school's selection announcement stuff. It's that slightly weird time when you, a few months ago, when you we suddenly sort of realised Toby's going to be starting school next September, which is just weird. But you actually have to apply for schools and you start thinking about all that sort of stuff. You know, which schools do you want him to go to? There's bureaucracy involved. You've got to go and visit these schools, see what you like. You know, there's no just send him to the local school. How many did you visit? Three schools, I think. We visited the school we're in the immediate catchment for. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, two others that are at, we're outside the catchment for. And everywhere we went, when we visited on the open days, they went to great lengths to say how, because it's a baby boom year, basically when you put down your choices in order, pretty much everyone's just going to get their, the school they're in catchment of. Right. Just because there's so many kids coming through. Now, it so happens where we are, we don't like the school we're in catchment of. Weren't too keen, not great Ofsted, all that sort of stuff. It's one of those things... Parents will move house just to get in the catchment of the school they want their kids to be in. And yeah, when we moved here, what, seven years ago, <laughs> that, yeah, kids were a long way in the future. And you weren't really considering schools. Not at all. No. But there are some schools only, only like a mile further away, which are really nice and you know, good Ofsted. And you, had to, you have to put in your applications. They had to be in by early January. Um, and then you hear nothing. But then uh, Wednesday this week um, was when we heard that he, we got into our first choice school. Oh, brilliant. That's lovely. Yeah, so not, not the school we're in catchment for, but, mm. um, but the one we wanted him to go to, which is brilliant. Well, I think we'd both kind of resigned to the fact he would be going to the catchment school. But yeah, a nice no. unexpected surprise. But it was certainly fascinating because it was, because it was nationwide. Everyone found out on, on Wednesday. There was actually a piece in the the news that the percentage of of kids getting their first choice school actually fell. They were quite right. It is a boom year. Mm. You know, people weren't getting their choices if they chose out of catchment, but we were fortunate enough too. So That's interesting. we're very pleased with that. Yeah, by that. So Toby's year is a baby boom year. I expect that Oliver and Lauren's will be as well, just based on how many people I know that are having babies at the moment. It must just come to a point where it's not a boom year. It just you know, the, the population growth is increasing. <laughs> just um, lots more babies. 
Yeah. So come September, yeah, my my little boy who was only born yesterday will <laughs> <laughs> be going to school in uh, at the Shamblehurst Primary School in Hedge End, wow. which is weird. Yeah, that's that's a big step, isn't it, in development, getting to the age where they're actually flying the nest and going to school. Oh my goodness. And then of course, much more selfishly, this is going to be the end of being able to go on holiday during term time. <laughs> yes, now you're completely a slave to uh, to school academic calendars. Yeah, so we're going to squeeze in a holiday in in July this year. Um, yeah, during term time. Let, let's make the most of, of being able to do it whilst we can. But there we go. Wow. Oh, Nick, that's that's big news. Yeah. So it was great news. I'm really pleased with that. What have you been up to, Rue? Well, excitingly, in nearly as big news, Oliver has uh, has had his own little milestone this week. He's uh, he's outgrown his Moses basket and the baby cot that he's been in next to our bed. So it's actually time for him to go into his big cot tonight. Oh, excellent. Yeah, so he's actually spending his first night in the nursery. Ah, so uh, not just in the big cot, but also not in the same room as you. Yeah, well, the big cot doesn't fit in our bedroom. So the, the <laughs> moving cots is the same as moving into the nursery. Yeah, uh, and he spent half of last night in there and seemed to absolutely love it. He'd got to the stage in the bed nest thing, this this cot that I've mentioned in the past, which has the drop sides and um, butts up against your bed so that you can mm. get get him in and out for easy feeding. He's been there for three, whatever it is now, three or four months, and he's just got big enough that when he stretches out, he bashes his arms on the side and wakes himself up. Right, he was getting quite annoyed with that. So uh, last night, Rachel moved him into the the big cot and turned on the baby monitor and left him in there. And he fell asleep really quickly and stretched his arms out wide and seemed to be uh, relishing the extra space uh, and slept for seven hours straight, which is the longest that he slept since he came home. So that was uh, quite a good sign. So, yeah, first night of having moved beds and absolutely no problems. So I'm hoping for another good night tonight as well. Yeah. Do you think maybe... Because he he'd been quite restless, hadn't he recently, in the, not sleeping through? Do you think he was just waking himself up by <laughs> bashing into the yeah. walls of it? And yeah, I do. I think that wasn't helping at all. I think you know there there were other things going on, and we're wondering yeah. if he's just maybe reaching the beginning of teething as well. It's a whole whole other subject, but yeah, he was a bit generally irritable, and I think one of the things that wasn't really helping was this like just running out of space, and he'd got to the stage in the Moses basket downstairs where he was filling it in all all dimensions you know from head to toe he was only only just squeezing in really so it was no longer a very restful place for him no so uh yeah that's that's uh that's a a little step in its own right really excellent well we're at that point of thinking about getting our cot reassembled having been flat packed for um since toby moved into to his proper bed but we've lost the screws Oh, that's annoying. Every time I take something apart like that, I always put them in a little bag, tie them to the whatever bit of furniture it is, but we can't find them. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, they could be absolutely anywhere. <laughs> uh, they probably... We wouldn't have thrown them out. They will be somewhere. Thankfully, Kitty Care sell... They still sell our cot three years on from when we originally bought it. That's good. And they sell replacement screw packs. Oh, just the fixings? Yeah. That's handy. Handy. I mean, postage is twice what we're paying for the fixings, but still cheaper than uh, having to get a whole new cot. Oh, that's great news. Who does? 
There is one thing I really like about Kitty Cat, which is uh, at least our local very big store has a really good uh, breastfeeding area. Right next to the cafe, there's a little nook off to one side, and mm. it's got these amazing, uh, almost like sofas in it. But they're they're rocking, reclining, super comfortable chairs. Dads are welcomed as well. It's uh, yeah, really nice, nice little quiet spot. Yeah, I've been in there a couple times um, with Toby uh, into the cafe in Kitty, and I hadn't ventured into the breastfeeding. It feels a bit wrong if you go there without a mum wanting to breastfeed. Yeah, it's good if you've got a, a baby who's not weaned yet. That's, uh, yeah, that's, good. That, that's probably a prerequisite to going into that area. Yeah. No, but it was just really handy just having, again, it's one of those wet weather questions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's an easy place just to go. Toby enjoys just looking around at the toys and the Lego and the clothes and stuff. And then, yeah, you can then go and spend half an hour in the restaurant area. Yeah, have a toasted oh. sandwich. Lovely. Yeah. Talking of wet weather questions, Matthew White has been in touch and let us know that one of his favourite things to do in wet weather is Play-Doh. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I've mentioned it before, but Joe, my wife, works in a nursery and has done for a long time. So she's got... Uh, she knows how to keep kids entertained when it's wet weather. She can come up with all these different sorts of activities and she's got the recipe for making your own Play-Doh. The recipe? Yeah, it's just flour salt quite a lot of cooking oil you put some stuff in to stop the kids eating it um so i think that's in part why you put all the salt in mm-hmm. and then you put food colorings glitter um, one of the magic ingredients you use is cream of tartar to give it a bit of elasticity now i don't know what that is it sounds like something you put on fish when do you use cream of tartar when do you use bicarb soda when do you use baking powder oh, it's one of the white powders it's one of the baking white powders <laughs> right that... it's not tartar sauce then a different thing altogether no it's not not tartar sauce yeah you don't want to make play-doh out of tartar sauce no oh well, I, i'm looking forward to making play-doh yeah we'll definitely include some links to, to some recipes for that matthew's email went on to talk about swimming so uh, a bit of follow-up from last week's episode when we were talking about to dunk or not to dunk and Matthew says don't be afraid to really go mad and throw your baby around the pool the more exaggerated swishing the better and he says baby's hands often look cold uh, when they get blue up to the elbows then it's time to jump out uh, again not medical advice on this podcast <laughs> you may choose to jump out before they get blue up to the elbows but uh, yeah nice nice bit of reassurance for dads that uh, you can you can get them nice and wet and they might look a tiny bit blue around the edges before before it's really a problem great stuff well, thanks for your email, Matthew. And of course, if, if you've got any tips, whether it's Play-Doh or swimming or anything else, do get in touch. You can reach us, podcast at beardydads.co.uk. And we're on Twitter at beardydads. Beardydads. Someone else who's been in touch this week is the Reverend Dan Cat, who, uh, talking of schooling and getting your children into school, he's done the opposite. He's taken his kids out of school and decided to do uh, homeschooling with them. So here's Dan Cat. There's normally three questions I get asked about homeschooling, which is the why, the how, and the socialisation. I'm not even going to touch that last one. But the why, I think, comes from both Charlie and I had a less than stellar school experience. And then we also look at all the things that are going on, like all the tests at four years old and seven year old. We're always kind of like, oh, well, the job market has changed, industry has changed. There's so many other ways of learning that homeschooling would be okay. And then we told Modesty, who's now 11, that if she wanted to stop school, that we would be fine with that. And then she started secondary school and went, you know what, I think I can teach myself better than I'm being taught in this school class environment. She left school and then shortly after that, just like Domino's, the other two were like, but Modesty doesn't have to go to school. Can we stay home as well? 
and now they spend a lot of their time in pyjamas. That's the kind of why they, they dropped out of school. On the how front, we're doing a, a technique called unschooling, which is also child-led learning. So we have like a, a family meeting on a Monday morning where everybody says what they're interested and curious in. And then as the grown-ups, we try to guide the children towards where they can get more information out of, about those things. So the library or the internet. Um, Monsty's much older than, than the beardy dad's sort of age range, but she uses YouTube an awful lot. So if you imagine as an adult you wanted to learn about Photoshop and you could dedicate eight hours a day for five days in a row just watching tutorial videos on YouTube about a single subject, that's the opportunity you have when you no longer go to school. So that's roughly our philosophy is just childhood learning. We're there to facilitate and help. It is a lot more relaxed. And you would think it would be crazy having all the kids at home all the time, but it's actually all right. However, there are a couple of things. You often read about homeschooling when it's linked to a, a success story. These people left school and they still did exceptionally well. We don't want to do that. We kind of want to help the children learn how to teach themselves what they're interested in. And also just to be happy and content and to kind of have this, you have a job and you can have a hobby and they both work together. So in the same way on Beardy Dads, like you guys have have your jobs and you do podcasts, you go, have a job because that's how the world works. It gives you money to then help you do your hobbies and interests. And sometimes you can make both of those the same thing. So we're just trying to trying to teach them it's okay to be normal. And the other one is we're obviously privileged in that we both work from home. So we have the time to be able to do homeschooling. But it was a lot of hard work to get us to the position where we could both work from home. So it's very easy to say, yeah, homeschooling is a lot more chilled out and relaxed. But then you have to go to lots of effort to get into a situation where you can then be more chilled out and relaxed. But it's worth giving it a shot if you're prepared to give up a whole bunch of other stuff to be able to do it. And I can totally understand if people don't want to do that. <laughs> I think that's really interesting. Um, mm. Thanks for that, Dan. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it works out for them. Yeah, definitely. I, I'd love to hear more about it, actually. It's not something that I'd ever really considered uh, for us. But the more I hear about it, the more intrigued I am. Yeah, very interesting. The, the notion of your your role not being a teacher, but being a facilitator and, and teaching the children to teach themselves. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. I've said there are some aspects of the homeschooling that, to me, I I have... Concerns is the wrong word, but but I would be interested to know more as to how it's managed. And I can certainly appreciate the effectiveness if it's sort of child-led learning, give them the ability the, and the tools to go and learn what they want to learn. Mm. But I wonder, how do you enable the children to learn about things they don't even know exist to go learn about? Yeah. Through all the faults of having a curriculum that some kids will enjoy some bits won't enjoy others but having that basic range to just broaden horizons and introduce the children to this wide range of subjects mm. um, and open their eyes to things that they may have no idea exists I, th I think it, it really is just about how do you ensure that they get that broad range of of education and I guess it also depends at what age you're doing it if you're doing it you know, straight straight off from reception, so you're homeschooling, teaching numbers, letters, writing, or are you doing it, I think as Dan said, within secondary school, mm. 
with his elder daughter, at which point clearly they're going to have been exposed to a wide range of things and may well have a better understanding of the things they want to learn more about and focus mm. on. Yeah, I'd be interested to hear more. Yeah. If anyone out there is doing homeschooling, how do you manage that to you know, ensure, you give your child that, that as broad an education as possible mm. without relying on them just stumbling over things um, for themselves? Yeah, that's exactly what I would love to hear more about. Things like socialising with other kids, how, how do you manage that? What about exams mm. as they get? older and, and you start getting towards the time when GCSEs and then eventually A-levels come on the horizon is that in the plan for you Dan or, or for anyone else who's listening and, and like Nick was saying is is everything entirely child-led or do you get to a stage where you need to start introducing some sort of curriculum or gently steering them in the direction of something that they might not have stumbled across and get them interested in that uh, I'd love to hear more about how all of that works in practice um, mm. and whether that's from, from Dan or from anyone else who's listening who's uh, either tried and, and uh, been successful with child-led learning and homeschooling and has done it and enjoyed it, or indeed has, has tried it and given up, uh, that would be a, a really interesting thing to hear more about as well, people who've, uh, yeah. who've, who've learnt from it that it didn't work for them. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't want to come across closed-minded on it. I, I'm, in my mind, I don't think I have any interest in homeschooling our kids. Um, you know, I... I would like to think the school system is going to work for them, but um, clearly it does work for some people. So, yeah, let, let's hear from them. Yeah, no, I think as everyone can tell, we know next to nothing about this subject. Um, Dan's contribution has definitely piqued our interest. Uh, and if anyone wants to join in and start to fill the gaps in our knowledge, that would be really appreciated. Yeah. So as ever, it's podcast at beardydads.co.uk. Uh, you can send email or if you've got uh, a couple of minutes of stuff that you want to get off your chest, if everything that we've just said has you ranting uh, into your phone, then uh, yeah, do, do let us know what you think. i would be very interested to hear from you. It'd be great to hear all, all points of view on this. Absolutely. Beardy Dads. So talking of email, we've had one from longtime listener Derek Murphy, who listeners will remember is expecting a child later this year so he's saying how they've had their 20 week scan last week and all's going well so that's great to hear Derek and they're starting to think more about the birth and having a plan for it I mean it's something we've covered in the past but do we think doing a birth plan is worthwhile considering it gets thrown out immediately when labour starts hmm. and he also asks do I need to have a nursery ready at home for when the newborn arrives or can I prolong my procrastination for even longer well, let's tackle that bit first, because I think that's quite straightforward. Yeah. When your baby first comes home, it's going to spend most of its time in your arms and in your bedroom. <laughs> yes. So the nursery, uh, for us, at least for the first few weeks, was a place where we changed Oliver, because it was convenient to have a changing station set up there. Yeah. And that was it. We had a cot there that he didn't sleep in, he didn't lay in it. Occasionally we would put a, a small plastic bath in his nursery and bathe him there. But actually, uh, recently we've actually enjoyed having him in the bath with us instead. So uh, he was barely in it, really. So if you haven't decorated it yet, I don't think it matters all that much. I think you've got plenty of time. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously the, uh, do you think you'll have time to decorate it after baby arrives? That's a very good question. <laughs> That's a good one. But <laughs> but it is an end of the world. I mean, we're at the point of 
we've just moved Toby out of the nursery so Lauren can move in, but um, the flat roof has leaked, so we've got to have the ceiling replastered once we've oh, got the flat no. roof leak. Uh, How annoying! Once we've got the flat roof repaired, so that's very irritating. Yes. So having having had got the nursery all ready for Lauren, um, yeah, we're, we're she may be staying in with us for a little bit longer. But I think the the, the key point is whilst you might feel procrastination at this point feels good i think you'll regret it once baby arrives and you've suddenly got a bunch of diy to do so i think this is derek's first child and the thing that derek might not have totally realized is just how good his life is at the moment just how much (laughs) free time he has yeah and you've still got weekends to yourself uh exactly you you and your partner um you know you, you think you're busy, Derek. You think that you've got a very full life and it's very busy. Yeah. But, yeah, no, you've, you've, you've got a whole new world. So, um, yeah, that's a, that's a good point, Nick. If you, if you have a chance to do some of the preparation beforehand, it will pay off in the long run. Yeah. And going back to the, the first part, um, asking about is it worth having a birth plan if it just gets thrown out immediately when labour starts? I think for us, whilst we, again, we we barely followed the birth plan or or we suddenly didn't refer to it during the labor the exercise of producing it is probably where for us the most value was mm. that exercise of just sitting down one evening and just talking through the things we'd read and the things we'd learned at the NCT class and just agreeing between us that you know if this happens if that happens and just having that conversation between between Joe and myself i think it was the act of producing the birth plan rather than the birth plan itself that was the most useful bit. The thing that I learnt most from the NCT class was not to think of it as a plan, but to think of it as birth preferences. Yes. So those conversations where you're thinking about, well, in this scenario, we would prefer for this to happen and we'd very much like for this and we would rather not do this. Those are really good conversations to have. And for you, Derek, and, and anyone, to be aware and familiar with mm-hmm. what your partner wants going into that process is a really good thing because you'll probably be standing up for them in in the room yeah. you'll probably be their advocate when they can't talk so having having that conversation beforehand means that you're both going in there feeling confident and comfortable so yeah i think knowing that it's all a bit of you know a roll of the dice as to what's actually going to happen is good knowing what you want uh, is good and thinking that it's a plan or thinking that it's going to be exactly as you as you lay it out um it would always be overly optimistic anyway yeah and i mean sometimes you see those plans that say you know i want this music playing and i want (laughs) you know if you treat it too much like a plan as rigidly this is what we want to happen then it can almost be a bit more distressing when things go off plan oh it would be so disappointing to say you know I, i want to i want my final contraction i want the baby to come out during the the moment of jefferson airplane's white rabbit while that song's peaking uh you know it's just it's just not realistic that you can that you can plan this thing yeah. uh you can't plan how the baby's going to be born you can't plan whether there there will need to be intervention there's so much of it where it's not really about planning at all it's about knowing what what your preferences are yeah so hopefully that helps derek and uh, good luck with the next 20 weeks yeah, have fun and do let us know how you get on. Yeah. In fact, uh, this week we had uh, a tweet from Matt Smart. Uh, we have to say massive congratulations to Matt Smart on the safe arrival of his baby girl, Robin. Yeah, so he was saying how he was listening to the latest Beardy Dads episode and 
a short 11 hours later, arrived Robin. That's brilliant. And Matt had uh, been in touch with us before Robin was born uh, and had been had been listening for a while and had been uh, talking to us on Twitter and stuff. It was one of the happiest moments of my week last week when, when I saw that tweet from Matt with a little picture of his little baby girl. Um, it was just so lovely, the idea that there are dads out there with whom we have ever so slight a connection. Uh, and it's it's really nice to hear from you when, when things like that happen. So, yeah, nice absolutely. one, Matt. That was, that was absolutely lovely. Yeah. And, Matt, do stay in touch. Let us know how you get on, because I think this is your second. So, obviously, I, I have a vested interest, as ever, <laughs> hearing how parents of, of toddlers and newborns get on. Um, we were talking, my, my wife Rachel and I were talking this week about just how little we could imagine having a second child in the house. Yeah, it's funny how, that how it, within our NCT group, some couples had their second quite quickly. Just that real range. For, I think for some people, it is you know, let, let, let's let's have the next one as soon as possible. But yeah, I think we we were very much the let's just give it some time. <laughs> let's just let's <laughs> no make rush. sure we're coping with this one before we we do anything else. Crazy dad. I have a tip for you, Nick. Excellent. We like your tips. I, I like sharing tips and I like hearing yours as well. But this this might be a tip that you're already familiar with. Uh, tell me if it is. We went on a course this week. We went on a, a Red Cross baby first aid course, uh, which the NCT uh, sets up. Uh, and it was really good. Have you done one of those before? No, I've, I've not done the, the baby first aid ones. It's one of those I'm aware of people having done it. And I always... Part of me thinks, oh, should we have done it? <laughs> and yeah, again, it makes me feel slightly bad as a parent for not having done a first aid course. But so, what sort of thing did it cover? Well, the biggies are: what would you do if you found uh, a baby or a small child conscious but not breathing? Right. And what if they were breathing but not conscious? <laughs> right. <laughs> so both of those lovely options. Those were the biggies, and then it, it went on for the final bit, to talk about things like fevers and uh, scalding, uh, you know, some of the, uh, some of the other things. A oh, bit more day-to-day. Day. Bleeding. Yeah, you know, s- smaller smaller issues, like, you know, yeah. if, if baby uh, maybe get, gets a burn on a hand or a, a small cut or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the biggies were dealing really with uh, resuscitation uh, and with, with choking, so how do mm. you uh, deal? And, and actually, it was really useful. I, I found it really useful to have a go on the mannequins. I, I don't know what you call them, the the um, the dummies that you can compress the chest and blow into them. Resusiani. Resusiani, indeed so. Uh, and they had yeah. two flavours of, of doll. They had the baby-sized one, which is actually about the same size as Oliver, uh, and then they had a small child, which was uh, supposed to sort of cover from roughly between the ages of one to seven. So, you know, smaller right. smaller than an adult human. Uh, yeah. And yeah, knowing knowing that when you're compressing the chest, you're pushing a third of the way in. That's quite a lot. Uh, which with a baby you can do with two fingers, but with a, a bigger kid, obviously you need you know a bit, bit more of your hand. Mm-hmm. How much of it would I remember if the worst happened? I don't know, but certainly having learnt it and having actually done it with my hands, I, I think there's a bit of mu- muscle memory there now. I think there's you know a, yeah. something that I would be able to do while I was waiting for an ambulance. And I think really for a first aid course like that, for, you know, the first course like that I've ever done, I think Rachel had done first mm. aid before cause she's, she's taught in a school. Yeah. I think, um, 
yeah, just coming away with any sense of confidence that you would be able to do something, however small, in in a scary situation. Uh, yeah, that was quite good. There have been a couple occasions um, with Toby as he was you know, eating solids, that type of stuff, where he would has choked, mm. and you never. There is that pause, sort of. Joe would just sort of slightly freeze at the table, and you're waiting to see is he going to deal with it? Is he, <laughs> what's going on? And I think only once or twice have we had to sort of just give him a the good pat on the back type mm. help, just cough up whatever it was. And yeah, they've never it's never been uh, sort of unsettling or, or or feeling like an emergency. But uh, you know, it does at the time just feel a little bit. That could have been worse. <laughs> that could have, t- you know. Um, yeah, we got away with that one. Yeah, but I'm also aware that you know, Joe again, because Joe works in a nursery. She has done first aid courses, so oh, yeah. maybe I'm I'm putting <laughs> too much trust that I'm never going to be alone with my children. And Joe <laughs> will always be here to to resuscitate them when when things happen. But it probably is one of those things I ought to look at doing. Well. As an alternative, and by the way, I don't know if they intend to offer this as an alternative uh, rather than as, a, as an additional level of support for people who've already done the course, but uh, Red Cross has a really good app for both Apple and Android devices. Right. Uh, and obviously we can include a link in the show notes, but it's got, uh, it's got quizzes so you can test yourself. Uh, it's got what you would do in emergency situations of various sorts, it's got hospital finder. Uh, it's it's great. It's really really good. Everyone, uh, when I mentioned on on Twitter that I was doing a first aid course, um, yeah. the first response that so many people had was, "Oh, don't forget to get the app as well." Uh, okay. And yeah, it's really really good. Well, that's interesting. I'll, I'll suddenly have a look at that app and have a look. Well, Nick, another week has gone by. Absolutely, it has. Another grey hair. Another wrinkle. And it's that time we like to say uh, thank you to everyone who has been in touch. Um, Matt Smart, congrats on the arrival of Robin. Interestingly, if anyone has found the podcast, thanks to Kingston NCT tweeting about us, do get in touch, say hi. Is this uh, Kingston, a suburb of London, or is this Kingston, Jamaica, do you think? I believe this is going to be Kingston in the south of London. Well, it's a very nice place. It is. So, hello, yeah, if you're a new listener joining us, uh, having having found it through your local NCT class, then hello, this is what we do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks also to uh, Rob Grundle, Graham White, Aaron Ashmore, Nathan Delgano, and Lopter, who claimed this week to be laughing so hard that it hurt and he had to pull over, which I frankly am slightly dubious about, but uh, I'll, I'll believe him if he says it. Yeah. And of course, thanks to everyone else who's been talking to us and about us this week. And thanks again to Wes for the theme tune. And we'll be back in your ears this time next week, hopefully following up with questions and comments about schooling and homeschooling and what else? Well, anything really. Swimming, birth plans. If anyone's got any thoughts on nurseries and uh, what your plans are around putting your your kid through nursery, uh, we'd we'd love to hear that because that's something that we'll both be uh, needing needing to plan for. Absolutely. And... Anything else, do get in touch. We're, we're always open to new ideas. Anything dad-related is what we like to cover. So, yes, and anything uh, that's on your mind, do get in touch. And uh, we'll be here talking to you uh, about the same time next week. Good stuff. Cool. Good night, Nick. Good night, Bree. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.